Expectation is a funny thing. If you remember, we talked about hype back on episode 5, Burning For You, when we discussed the game Wingspan. Now, hype is different from expectation, granted, but they're definitely closely tied together. For me, expectation is a more personal act of looking forward to something, as opposed to hype, which implies that there's some kind of communal fire being stoked. Ultimately, they both come back to what you want from a game. What happens when what you want from a game is simply not what you get? You expected a push-your-luck dice roller, and you found a dice placement game instead. Now, Sometimes these surprises are good, but sometimes not so much. Regardless, it's often hard to divorce your expectations that you formed from your final opinion, even after you've come to terms with the game that you ultimately got. Okay, so you didn't get a push-your-luck dice roller, you got a dice placement game, and it's good, but you feel some measure of disappointment that you still didn't get to push your luck. Today we're going to talk about a game that didn't really have what I would call hype, but many players went into it with very specific expectations. And because of that, the response was more than a little lukewarm. What happens when you expect a thematic dungeon crawler sequel and you get a heavy economic euro instead? Welcome to the Player One, Player Two podcast. Episode 19, Build Me Up, Buttercup. Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm Player One. I'm Kathleen, and I'm Player Two. Welcome to the Player One, Player Two podcast, the podcast about board games and the two-player experience of playing board games. Today we're going to talk about a heavier game than we've talked about of late. Uh, A game that has a very strong pedigree, which I think is what got this game into some kind of hot water when it came out. Not actual hot water. Is this a divisive? Oh. (laughs) It is a divisive title. (laughs) It does seem to be a title that gets a lot of flack. And we'll talk a little bit about why, maybe. But the game is called Founders of Gloomhaven. And I think that for the sake of brevity from here on out, we might just call this game Founders. Because that's basically what the box says anyway. <laughs> Founders is huge, and then a teeny tiny a little. <laughs> is like a size eight font slipped right underneath of it. Yeah, it worked into the design. This is when I said this game got into hot water. Well, I guess first of all, the pedigree thing. If you couldn't tell by the title, it's designed by Isaac Childers, who is the designer of Gloomhaven which su- shouldn't surprise you based because it's called Founders of Gloomhaven. <laughs> Gloomhaven, if you're not sure somehow about what it is it's the number one game on board sounded game judgy it's it made such a big splash i feel like most people though we they, we saw a copy at second charles like it's around it's out there now it's everywhere yeah so it's a super famous i mean i wouldn't in, in the hobby game unless you told me about it's a dungeon crawl it's number one it, it has like a fanatical following it's um, a very good game we both really enjoy it. We talked about it previously on our top ten list. Um, it made both of our top tens, but it wasn't either of our it number. Did? One. Yeah. Oh no, it made me. It didn't make yours, but it was pretty close. It was my number six or something like that. We both really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get it to the table very much these days because it's such a such an endeavor getting it to the table. Uh, but there was something about this game that piqued my interest, not only because. It was described as a, quote-unquote, heavy economic game. Mm-hmm. 
but I like the idea that there was something about it that a lot of people uh, didn't like. That always sort of <laughs> <laughs> intrigued yeah, me. Yeah, when you were like, there was something about it, I was like, I know what it was about it. It's the same reason that... That I watched the Fantastic Four and yeah. Batman versus Superman, and I'm like, and everyone hates you, this. I'm going to watch it. At the Redbox, what did you just recently purchase? Rent, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I rented uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix. Yep. Because you I just... just you I just, just can't help yourself. I just really want to know how, how it goes. But I was curious about this because Gloomhaven... And Kathleen can tell you the kind of person I am. Like When I read a book by an author and I like that book, or when I watch a movie by a director and I like that movie, I am more likely to seek out something by that person. I Which read... is probably normal. I'm not like that. Kathleen's I'm like, oh, I read like this that. book. I love this book. All right. The end. But for me, if I read an author, I'm more likely to read another book by that author, even if it doesn't have the same characters. Fair? Yeah. Okay, so... Founders of Gloomhaven I wanted to play because I thought that the design in Gloomhaven was really clever and really tight and had tons of interesting choices. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm curious what this person makes next, even if it has nothing to do with Gloomhaven. Mm-hmm. And that was not... Gloomhaven did not bring me to this game. And the, a lot of the pushback to this game, I think, it's really hard to go out and read a review of this and not have someone say in a negative way, this game does not have enough Gloomhaven in it. Or something mm. like that. Yeah. Which is fair. If you're buying this game because you saw that word, you're not going to find a lot of that word in this game. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not really there. Is this like Prometheus for you? Oh, Prometheus, uh, the movie, the alien movie? Well, I love Prometheus. I know. And I love alien movies. I know. Yeah. But many people were not happy. There are not enough Prometheus aliens in Prometheus. there's not enough aliens. But it's just like, oh, but the... The Alien world is race there? is sort of there. Well, this I lo- is like that. It is like that, I guess. Yeah, because essentially this is Gloom- Gloomhaven is a dungeon crawler. This is not a dungeon crawler. This is a heavy economic game. This is mm-hmm. like a city building game that mm-hmm. has root building and resource management and hand management. It is much heavier than Gloomhaven is, I would say, right? Yeah, it doesn't take as long. It doesn't feel in a weird way because it doesn't take as long it doesn't feel as like like meaty of an endeavor this one yeah when you sit down to play a game it's not like everybody shut up get me my beer we're gonna be here for a while well gloomhaven doesn't take that long but i feel like the setup and takedown for gloomhaven makes it feel like more of an event i think also like the fact that it is just like adventures every time oh that it's like a campaign it, yeah it, just keeps it going. is a campaign but it's also like because it's a campaign like you feel that impetus to, like, do well because you're like, oh, like... I'm afraid of the repercussions if I do badly. Yeah, and also because if you do badly, then you're like, cool, well, that means we have to do this one again. Do it again, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was something I didn't like about Gloomhaven, actually. Yeah. That's so, not Gloomhaven's fault, though. That's just... That's true. And that's a personal thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's going to be really hard to talk about this game, I guess... First of all, let's just get out of the way that I have no problem this is not a Gloomhaven game. I yeah. think I already said that. But that always seems to be criticism levied against it. Like, I didn't get enough Gloomhaven. I don't think you care about that. No, I don't care at all. I also just, like, I, I would have been kind of like, I'd be like, then why do we have it? Yeah. If it was. I'll just <laughs> play Gloomhaven. Like Gloomhaven. Yeah. I mean, or I'll just play this now. This like, game could have been called, like, Founders of Denver, and if it was the same game, I would have been like, that's kind of weird, but it still would have been, uh, my opinion would be that, unchanged. That, you know, the orchid people did not 
Oh, I guess there are the fantasy of... aspects in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They, the, this Denver was not founded by fantasy races, unfortunately. <laughs> At least not that I know of. So that is, there. I mean, I guess, like, to explain, that is the tie-in. That the races that you encounter in Gloomhaven that you can be the characters of are, are the typically represented. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, the buildings then, you build are actually in Gloomhaven. In Gloomhaven and you're on the map. map of Gloomhaven. And there's, like, a spoiler that we don't know the answer to. Yeah, you can't build on the big black spot. But we never got to what that was in Gloomhaven, so... We don't know about the big black spot. And the rules, it just says you can't build on that, and we can't tell you why. But... I feel like that... We're going to blow something up. <laughs> so... I mean, I'm going to blow stuff up now. <laughs> that's out of the way. And the other thing I kind of wanted to get out of the way about this was that a lot of games are, are like, assemblies of mechanics from other games, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, this game is a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So I think that this game, unlike other games that I would say are just have like the mechanics of things because they happen to be in the same genre, and I would just consider it the mechanic that defines the genre instead of being like a piece of another game. This game feels like Frankenstein together from other games. You think more so? Yes, that's that's exactly what I think. And the idea of a Frankenstein, at least in my understanding of it, implies some sort of inelegance. Do you think that that's true here? No, I don't. Frankenstein guess it's crude. It's not crude, but it's distinct. You kind of see the see the seams. Yes, exactly. Maybe it's more like Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. (laughs) I wouldn't call her inelegant. (laughs) She wears dresses. I know. I mean (laughs) plenty of inelegant people wear dresses. Jeez. I'm coming for you. So this game, I think we're gonna talk about three games that I feel a lot when I play this. Yeah. The first one is Concordia. Mm-hmm. The second one is Glory to Rome. Mm-hmm. And slash Race for the Galaxy, but I think it's more Glory to Rome. Mm-hmm. And the third is uh, Brass. Yeah. So we'll kind of go one by one. And the first thing I'll do is I'll explain the game, and then I'll talk about how those games appear in it. Yeah. This game. So Founders is sort of... Founders is a Euro game, so it's about points. But you are gaining points by essentially building prestige buildings in the town of Gloomhaven as you build up the rest of the town around these super fancy buildings. And you do that by building resources. You start owning, in a two-player game, three basic resources each. Mm-hmm. And then there are two neutral resources. This is all for two-player. There's some funkier scaling as you change player counts, but... Because of our podcast, we're going to talk about this is a two-player game. Because of our life. Oh, duh. I so, mean, <laughs> I cannot imagine teaching this game to... Anybody else. Anybody we know. <laughs> so each player owns three resources and has access to the two common ones. And the whole point is that you are going to be using your resources, paying for access to the other player's resources, as you essentially use the basics and turn them into nicer middle-level resources and turn those, as you combine other resources, into, like, the top-tier resources. So for me, in a weird way, one of the games that I'm always like, it feels like, oh, my goods. Yeah, in terms of, like, I'm going to take this crappy resource and push it into a machine, and at the end it's going to be fancy and nice. And then sometimes you put a crappy resource and a machine together. Sometimes you have to put the two machines. Like, do you ever have to put the two machines together? Uh, there are only one machinery. Not machines. Uh, second tier. Second tier doodles. Two second tiers? No, it's usually a second tier and a first and tier. And a first tier. So to give you an example, the eight basic resources, which you don't really need to know. I'll just give you like an idea of like two or three of them. It's like metal, rocks, cows. Corn. Corn. Stuff like that. So for an example of a second tier, you would take like knowledge and metal 
and they become machinery. Mm-hmm. And the machinery resource is like a second tier. It's nice. Wood and cows is a tannery. And ooh, then very the, ooh, very the, oh my goods. The the third level would be like you take that machinery that you've made and then you combine that with cows. <laughs> Uh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and cows, you and you get fabric, fabric. Because it's fantasy world, so obviously all the fabric is leather. That sounds nice. I mean. Or kind of gothic. I'm not really sure. I feel like there needs to be like a like a powder factory for the chafing <laughs> issue. That's the Johnson the Johnson only, plant exactly, over there. Exactly. The only fabric that we have in this, in this John is made of cow. And as you make these new resources, what they do is they start combining. And, and there's some root building that you have roads. And as the roads connect to other roads, which connect to other buildings, you'll start to sort of get points because you you completed the this building it needs bricks and you connected bricks to it so yay points and the game essentially ends when you build and complete at least six prestige buildings mm-hmm. so that's like the game in a super micro nutshell yep to give you more of a specific idea we talked about those other three games concordia glory to rome and brass mm-hmm. so those will kind of explain how it works mm-hmm. so we say concordia first and everybody talks about concordia with this game because it's the most in-your-face, straight-lifting uh, mechanic. And that is like... The follow? Well, no, it's the card and action cards. That's so the, the follow is Glory to Rome. Yeah. So in this, you have every player... In a two-player game, you have six cards that you start with, each player. And they're like your basic actions. Mm-hmm. And on your turn, you play a card, you do whatever the card says, and then that's it. And then one of your cards will be... A card that lets you pick up the other cards. And that mechanic is straight out of Concordia. Mm-hmm. Like that's exactly how Concordia works, right? Yeah, what is that What is that card called? It's like the... In Concordia? Yeah, it's like I don't Sin remember. It. Sin, is it Sinit? I don't remember. I was trying to think about that, and I didn't want to pull it out because that box I don't know is, why I'm even trying it's this. gigantic. As Eric will tell you that I just... I can never remember which one Concordia is. He has to be like, the one with the lady in the tunic. And I have to be like, which lady in the tunic? And I have to describe like the board and the pieces, and then she's like, yeah, I don't know that game. It's got, um, like, <laughs> like boats. Uh, it does have boats, or two boats, or some boats. Your boats. So, Concordia is all about, like, playing a card, doing the action. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this is. And then there's one card that lets you pick up all your cards. And depending on how many cards you've either played or still have left in your hand, you get bonuses. Something like that. And that's right out of Concordia. And it's the main engine of this game. And for me, at least, it's my favorite part of Concordia. Yeah. Like, the when I do things, when I pick them up. And that's really good in this game. I really like it. The other cool thing about the cards in this, and this is where Glory to Rome comes in, is that whenever I play an action, the other player, so Kathleen, would get to do an action also. Mm-hmm. And they call it in this following, which is straight out of Glory to Rome. Mm-hmm. And in Glory to Rome, you get to either do a specific follow action, like in Glory to Rome, if I, oh, I don't remember the actions in that are called, uh, like rec- is recruiting one, is that what it's called? Remember you pick new cards? I don't remember, but if you have a recruit person... They're all person, different colors. have a purple worker. Yeah. Then you get to recruit also for each worker that you have. Right. So in that one, you have to, like, sort of plan. You can't follow every single time. If you don't have one of those, you get to you, draw. You do get to do a you draw. You get to think. Yeah, okay. That's, that's like, right. the basic. And in this, you can do the more specific follow action, or you get to do a basic follow action. Mm-hmm. So say that you do something like recruit which is where you would buy a card and add it to your hand. So mm-hmm. now you have more cards to play. The other player, when you recruit, you get to do that as your main action. At least you get to do that, and you get to take an influence, which you use to do something I won't explain yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the other person gets to just buy another card. Yep. They don't get any influence. They don't get the bonus, but you so can... So it's a slightly worse version yep. of the ability the other player is doing. 
then the basic follow actions if you don't want to do that are like take one dollar take one influence build one road or place a worker yep but they're super basic because there's also worker placement in this game i don't think we're even gonna really well we'll just like shoot past that super fast (laughs) um and so that's clear to roam and that's also a little bit of race for the galaxy so like in race for the galaxy if i play explore I get to draw more cards and keep. Right. And you get to draw yeah. fewer, but you still get to do it. It's a little bit of that, too. Right. It's kind of a little bit of both. Yeah. I always think of Glory to Rome first, though, for some reason. Well, because um, what's the name of when you do? Um... In Well, then Race for the Galaxy, it's like simultaneous. Yeah. Simultaneous action selection. And this is like my turn, your turn. It's very yeah. delineated, so it's not simultaneous action selection. Like no. Race for the Galaxy. And then the third game, though, is probably the one that permeates this the most i would agree but it's also in kind of the most ethereal way it's not so like this is obvious like black and white but brass i feel like is all over this game yep there's a lot of root building in this and networks like that Mm -hmm. you rely on and that i recognize straight out of brass Mm -hmm. but beyond that and this for us is like the heart of the game has like this symbiosis Mm -hmm. that has a lot of double-edged decisions in it like this would help me this would kind of help me but it also helps you which hurts me yeah there's a lot of that in this game and that's in brass too like i will build this thing and take your resources haha but if i take too many of your resources then i end up flipping your tile in brass Mm -hmm. and you get the points that kind of thing exists in this game as well yeah and it's my favorite part of this game i think and there's a lot of like timing involved in that as well because Mm -hmm. you could inadvertently like connecting something could for your benefit could also inadvertently end the game before you want the game to be ended yeah definitely the networks in this are super important i guess just like they are in brass Mm -hmm. because in brass if you're not connected to like the main network yeah brass inevitably we at one point pretty early on seem to connect yeah and then it's like oh now it's a free-for-all now everything's connected and you know we're all taking some of this stuff, and I'm going to take your beer, and, you know. And that eventually happens I mean, in we're this. usually pretty respectful about each other's beer. Yeah, and we're, <laughs> we always joke that we're like snowflakes. And in, in Brass, it's like, hey, do you mind if I take some of your beer and sell this? And it's like, no, it's okay. And if you were like, no, I'm going to use that, I'd be like, okay, I won't do that then. <laughs> so I think what you mean is that <laughs> I'm a bully and you're a snowflake. Because if I spent a long time with my plan being like, that's my beer, and you're like, um, technically I can use that beer, I'd be like, lay off. You take that beer, you're going to sleep on the couch. <laughs> so, um, That's how it goes with real beer, too. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the networking in this is a lot of that same idea. Yeah. Like, once you get connected, it's great because then Kathleen can, like, pay me to access my stuff. And when she wants to pay me to access, like, my metal, because it's my metal... Uh, that's great because I get the money. Cool. And Kathleen's like, bummer, I got to give him money. But then she gets to build these better resources that will give her points. Mm-hmm. But then it's got that really cool thing in this, the trickle down, the Ronald Reagan points system. <laughs> trickle down <laughs> points. Reaganomics points. Where that's great. So say that Kathleen builds a machinery resource mm-hmm. and uses my metal. Well, whenever the machinery scores points, she has to give some of those points to the two resources that help make machinery. Mm-hmm. And so when you build a third tier building, 
you have to pay the person who owns the second tier and the people who own the first tier that made the second tier. So that's what the trickle down comes from. It's like if I score points with my third tier resource, some of those are going to go down to the second tier and some of those are going to go down to the first tier. Which leads us to a card that seems like it may not matter very much, but is actually probably the most important card in the game. <laughs> well, that's what the influence came to from too. And it was like, the card is called Call to Vote. Mm-hmm. And it is, in this game, the how you pick up your cards. Like, yep. I ran out of cards in my hand. I'm going to play the Call to Vote card. That's kind of what I remember in uh, Concordia. Mm -hmm. The card that lets you pick up your other stuff, the most important part of it is, is that... It lets you pick up your other stuff. And that you get money for, I think, how many cards you have played. Yeah. So the more you play, the more money you get. And in Concordia, money is so important. It's always like, yes, money, money, money. Call to vote works a little bit opposite in like this game. It gives the other player money, first of all. Yep. Not and it you. gives you benefits for however many cards you have left over. Left in your hand. Right. So it, the game is pushing you to play your call to vote cards faster. Mm -hmm. Which you're like, okay, well, why is it called call to vote? And what is influence? And that is, like, the secret, really important part of this game, mm -hmm. that as you're playing it, you're worrying about a lot of stuff, but if you're not worrying about Call to Vote, then guess what? You're going to lose. I mean, even if you are <laughs> worrying about Call to Vote, you you're might gonna lose still anyway. lose. <laughs> so, we talked about the prestige buildings, and the question is, well, how do the prestige buildings come out? And at any given time, there are going to be three prestige buildings that are up on, like, a voting block. Yep. And they're always different. Uh, because anytime you finally pick one, you scrap the others and you refill it with three brand yep. names. And the call to vote card, what you do is everybody has these three little jewel tokens and you will simultaneously reveal which jewel token, because each jewel token corresponds to one of those prestige buildings. So you're essentially being like, this is the prestige building I want to go out that we can mm -hmm. all work on. And then you can also throw in some influence to kind of raise your... Yeah, raise and the your, reason you want to do that is because... At a certain point in the game, you probably want to get your third tier building out and really drive it home so That's that you're going to get are. the points. Yeah. But if you have spent all your time making a third tier resource like weapons, but the prestige buildings that keep coming out because somebody else has been hoarding influence or whatever, and they keep being the swaying vote. Or if neither they're not of putting weapons. Our weapons buildings out, then you're not going to get any points from that. Yeah. And then you're like, what are you building these things for that you're never going to get points for? When we first played, I can't help but remember that, like, call to vote was always just the way we picked up our cards. Yeah. And whatever came out, came out. It was like, oh, this one looks easy. We'll do that one. Yeah, because we didn't really know. And the more we played it... Where the points it, came from. We played this game like five times now. We played it kind of a lot. What? Like, we played it a lot in a compressed amount of time. Like three, maybe four. I think four then. Yeah. So, as we played it more, yeah. we started to learn that the things we were focusing on in the beginning were not really that important. You can't They're help not, it, not though. important, I guess. You have... Like, I don't think that we were focusing or not focusing. We were just trying to figure out how to play the game. Because it's a heavy game. You have to play the game to understand how it works. And then you have to play the game a second time to figure out if you like it. And then a third time. To figure out how to get better at it? Or Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we played it a decent amount in a fairly compressed yeah. amount of time. We were going to play it again, too, because there's another little complaint there's a variant that, that Yeah, we'll get to that. There's a variant that addresses the complaint that we had. And it's actually in the box. I was like, I wish that this was in the box. And then we realized, it is in the box. Hey. Dummy. hey. 
Um, so, yeah, there's just a lot that you have to focus on here. Yep. I would say in a good way. Is well, it... ugh, I mean, that's the most complicated question, isn't it? Like, is in it a too good much? Way. Yeah, like uh, what? how much is too much? That's it's, like a personal uh, preference thing. Yeah, but I don't even know. As far as that question goes, like the how much is too much, I don't. I don't, I honestly don't know because our like biggest takeaway about this game is that both of us think that this is a game that the other person should be good at. That was a fascinating thing. We were talking <laughs> about it and we, at the same time, almost exactly, we said, I think this is a game that I like, but you, it was made for you. Like we each said that about the other person. Yep. <laughs> and so Kathleen was like, I think this is more of a tactical game. And I was like, I think this is more of a long-term strategy game. I mean, and it's both. I think that's what we decided. That, yeah, it's both. Which is weird because we there are other games where it really can be like an either or. Like what's what's the example we were thinking? Was, was it Brass? Brass is brass an either say, or. Yeah, we say that Brass is... it. it you can play Brass two different ways. Yep, and, and we do. And have an equally likely chance of winning yep. depending on how the cards kind of fall. So like Eric will pick up tons of points in Brass like based on certain elements like cards that I come might up draw, and like tactical... Exactly. Or I'm like, ooh, this thing is there now and I'm going to jump on that. Mm-hmm. Or I can do this thing. So like Eric takes a lot of like tactical opportunities in Brass. I'm like and, a moment to moment person in Brass. Yeah, or in life. Um, what in, do you mean? In game style. <laughs> And I am a long-term planner. So Kathleen will, at the beginning, say, like, here are the cards I have. Here's where I'm starting. Yeah. I think that in the first era of Brass, I'm going to try and do this. Like, yep. I'm going to build That's a big be thing. cloth place yep. or whatever. And it's usually the vase. I, am all, I always go for the jars. Oh, yeah. I was like, what's that one that looks like a beehive? It's of? a jar. Oh, a clay or something. Yeah. Or whatever. pottery. Pottery. There you go. Um, it's big and red and it's I, worth a lot of points. I only end up doing that when I realize that I drew a card that's the pottery card. Yep. And I'm like, this is telling me I need to do, I need to nope. do a pottery. And I start planning for it and wait for the card. So nice. that is a perfect example. This is the first game I think we've ever played where you can't do one or the other. Because I will, and I don't, and this is about our playing style and the way that like we are. And there's not really a way for either of us to change these ways that we are. So there are plenty of games that we play that I'm like, this is a game that I enjoy playing, but I'm never going to be good at it because I will sacrifice points to finish my plan. Like yeah. I cannot, I have a hard time like saying, Oh, I really need to take advantage of that. If it interferes with my plan. This is the first game where it's like, I really have to think about how to do both. And I, oh, sorry. It's also about, like, the pacing of it and the order of operations means that, like, there might be something that I really want to work on, but I literally cannot. I've already played the one card that would allow me to do that. I'm not ready to call a vote because I just played the card. Mm -hmm. I can't get enough money to do the thing I want to do. So I have to figure out a way. And, like, in some other games, and this is where sometimes I get in trouble, there will be multiple ways to get money. And I'll be yeah. like, okay, so I'll do this thing so that I can do that one thing that I really planned on doing, probably to my detriment. In this game, there's not a lot of weird wiggle room with that. Like, you get money twice. When the other when you play your income card, when the other person calls uh, a vote. A vote. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a weird worker ability that you end up... Yeah. But that's a, all the worker abilities, and there is worker placement in this, we'll just sort of dispense with the worker placement because the worker placement is like one one-hundredth of this game. Yeah. It's a super niche aspect where maybe you can use it to do something cool like once a game. Or maybe if you're somebody like me, it's actually to your detriment because then you're like wasting a turn playing a worker because you really want to get this thing done, but is it worth it? I like the idea of the worker placement in this, but 
it didn't have to be in here. Yeah. It doesn't really bring anything. It when doesn't you, take anything away. It's another no. option. And every now and then, like, the, I played one worker on one building last time, and it let me do something really cool. And I was yep. like, great. Love that. I love that I don't have to do it, but I can do it. Yep. But this is this really is a game where, like Kathleen was saying, how, you know, she sometimes had to, like, think of other things to do. Yep. Because the card I wanted, like, I want to upgrade, like, make a new second tier resource. Yep. But as my first turn, I played Upgrade. And that means that I won't be able to do upgrade until you play upgrade and I can follow you. Yep. So I'm waiting for you or I pick up my cards. And also, there's no guarantee because this game is very well balanced, which I do think is something that comes from Gloomhaven. That I do think that if you're going to talk about parity with Gloomhaven, the idea of like balance and sacrifice and what do I do in the moment is still very much in this game. I, mean, I guess that designer, he does take that into yep. account in a big way, which I appreciate. But the balance of it is that everything in this game costs money. Yeah. And you don't get a ton. Like once you get kind of moving, you're going to get more income. The more yeah. you build, the more income you get. But in the beginning, the most you can really do, three or four income for a while. You're kind of sitting on that as you accrue. I would agree with that. So, because the third tier buildings cost six bucks. They do. And I did appreciate, though, that never when I played this have I felt in, like, the last third of a game... I wish I had more money. No. I'm always like totally fine. Totally fine with money. And I don't mind at all. Balance. Yeah. But what I'm saying about that is that everything costs money. So it's not also a situation where you can say, well, like, screw it. Like, I'm just going to wait until I'm just going to bide my time and do like small things until this person plays an upgrade. Mm -hmm. Because in the time it takes you to play the other cards, you're going to have to spend the money that you, you can't save your money for an upgrade card. It would, take would you forever. agree with that? Yeah, like, because if you do like a if basic you're like, action, oh, let me just like, like keep playing dollar. basics and like keep hoarding money for what because you may never play your upgrade. You might call a vote. Yeah, and playing it's kind of foregoing a main action and playing it for just a basic because you can always play any of your action cards face down. And instead of doing the front action, like I'm going to play my construct, but I'm going to flip it over. You just get to do a basic action. Mm-hmm. That always feels kind of like, a, like waste, a waste. But the bright side is the other player can't follow. Yeah. So if you're trying to block them. I think I've in the, like them, four games we played, I've done that once, and it was because I needed something very specific. And it was a late stage, and yeah. you were like, I'm really trying to stop the other player from doing yep. something, but I don't want to just. I have to do something myself. Like, that's mm-hmm. part of the game. And also, yeah. like, oh, I could use a road or a dollar right now. So I feel like you told me that some people say this game is overstuffed. I would actually say that it it has a lot going on, but I would say that most of that stuff isn't, it doesn't feel overstuffed like something like Feudum where I'm like, God, do we have to do this part? Like, can't we yeah. just ignore this? It doesn't feel overstuffed. To me, it feels like it has a lot of contingency plans. It does sort of say, like with the workers is a perfect example. Yeah. Like if you really want to like lean into the workers, then like you do you. You go yeah. ahead and you put out all three of your houses and get all three of your workers. And I and imagine somebody who likes worker placement games could like clean the floor with yeah. us because we're sort of like, nah. But like us, like if you say like, well, I don't really care about the workers because they seem a little, they seem very specified. Yeah. Like the buildings that come out are really helpful only under specific circumstances so for us like we placed a worker like once or twice and that was it Mm -hmm. and that's fine and we weren't like penalized no it wasn't like you didn't make use of the workers so you lose points like that nothing like that ever happened yeah there's a joke that people always say about um a famous game called agricola where they say that the problem with agricola is that you have to do everything yeah and that's not the case here no if you want to completely ignore your workers then fine 
Yeah. Like, great. Then you can save the money from having don't to build their feed houses. Them, don't gotta feed them. Don't gotta. Yeah, there's no, there's no like, feed your workers in this. I assume that in Founders of Gloomhaven, you just, you they scrounge. They can, yeah. they can take care of themselves. Well, you build them a house, they can take care of themselves. <laughs> At least it's in the forest. It has to be in the forest. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this game is fiddly? Um, uh, the forest the thing. thing. <laughs> that was the, let me think of it. <laughs> there are some little aspects to this game that you're like, oh, that's kind of irritating. <laughs> It's like... And I think it's all part and parcel with the balance. Like, so for instance... Yeah, the balance... Like, you, you can, can see only, that they put a lot of work yeah. into, like, I have to do one little thing to make it balanced. And, uh-huh. like... But when there's a lot of those one little things, it does become, like, there's a lot of little things that you do. It's not little things that I find hard to remember, though. So it Most doesn't feel... Don't. So there must be some kind of internal logic that's working with me. Because, again, unlike Feudum, sometimes <laughs> in Feudum, I'll, like, take a turn and I'll be like, wait, was there some, like, rule about how, like, I can't get my workers drunk on a Thursday because the king is coming? That like, might be a rule. Yeah. Like, there are rules that, upon rules, that when you're, like, going through, you're like, how in the world am I ever going to remember that? Like, I'm not in this to be, like, a herald. Like, I don't care. This game, like, when you pull a card, it's going to tell you you can only place it here. doesn't mean you're not going to forget that trigger. And, like, doesn't try mean and that, build yeah. something in the wrong spot. Yes. It certainly has some restrictions that are sort of like, maybe I might roll my eyes. But there aren't so many restrictions that I feel almost, like, panicky. Because I'm yeah. the kind of person who likes to, like... If I miss a trigger, I'm going to be up thinking about that, like, three hours later. And I'm like, oh, I could have won that game if I remember my freaking trigger. Like, I'm the kind of person who, like, gets almost, like, panicky when I feel like there are rules in the background that I'm forgetting about. Or, and like, I I'm don't... letting points slip away because I'm yeah. not able to keep them all in my... Or head. I'm accidentally cheating because I forgot that you can't have a saltpeter and, uh, oh, like, a- and a bag of corn at the same time if or you're you standing... you can use a saltpeter, but you had to have already added it to that little bag yes exactly (laughs) like that kind of there's nothing like that it's sort of like there are like small niggling little details in this like in feudum but feudum has like 80 Mm -hmm. and this game has like three and again they all like seem to work for the balance of the game as opposed to like did you it's like sometimes playing feudum i always say it reminds me to do my taxes but it also reminds me of like formatting an apa like (laughs) for some reason it's like oh but you put the period before if you're doing a block quote like it's like but why like why would you do this to prove that you know to do it i mean there's like things like that in something like brass too like little rules like oh to use coal you have to be connected to it but you don't have to be connected to iron. Like, that's a rule in brass that it at doesn't, first we yeah. kept forgetting. And yeah. we're like, which is the one where you have to have the, you know. And that, like, like if you, I think if you realize, and I saw it in brass and I see it in this, although this is a little bit more than brass. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but a little bit. That if you limit those things to, like, if you limit to the exception rules to, like, less than five. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, cool. I can keep yeah. track of that. And I think that where this does manage to stand apart from something like Feudum is that it realizes that you got to kind of cap those exceptions. Yep. Because otherwise, it just becomes a game of exceptions. Or you need to be incredibly clear about them. So, like, one of the exceptions is, like, when you're pulling, um, when you're pulling, what are they, uh, prestige, prestige buildings. buildings. When you're pulling those, they ha- often have location restrictions. So, like, you have to place it so that one of these is touching, like, a yeah, like shore the tile. Salt barrel or, has to go on the shore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's written right on the card. When you choose that 
particular card, there's a little picture at the tippy top that mm-hmm. reminds you. Yeah. And having that also typically reminds me about things like, oh, don't forget about like rules about adjacency. And and also like there's nowhere on the prestige buildings that say this, but the fact that like I'm reminded, oh, there are limitations to where you can place them reminds me of another one of those fiddly rules, which is that you can't place the same type of prestige building in the same region of the board board. which makes a lot of sense though yeah because it could be because multiple prestige buildings may require the same goods yep so like this one requires machinery and cloth and workers or whatever uh so if you could build all three of those in the same region and then just drop multiple of those prestige buildings it would just be like like a deluge of points so again, that's one of those rules that's there to prevent like an abuse of the system. Yeah, <laughs> which is like is one of the kind of exception rules that I understand and appreciate. Yep. It's not like an exception rule that appears in a game like Feudum, where you're like, this is here for a weird thematic reason or something? Question mark. Yeah. Uh, in this, it's like no, this rule exists to prevent somebody from abusing it and getting tons of points and kind of cheating. Like that's sort of yeah. cheating. So the game says, don't do that. You know, like don't. Well, break and it's the also rules. like kind of in games like this that have rules like that, you can tell when you are cheating. Yeah, you get to like, a certain point, like and you're like, this, "This doesn't feel right." And I, there's never a time in some games like Feudum where I'm like, "This feels right or wrong." I'm just like, "Did I do it right?" Like, yeah, let me I check the yes/no rules. But like, I appreciate games even if they're complicated. That when you start to get into the rhythm of them, you can really tell like what what feels right and wrong. And I do. We said earlier. Something to the effect of, like, Lord, I cannot imagine teaching this to anybody. And I can't. But I also don't think that this was a difficult game to learn. I don't either. I think that if I had never played Concordia or Glory to Rome or something, or never... Actually, if I had never played Concordia or Brass, this game would have been much more intimidating. Because having played Concordia, I'm like, the cards, got it. Like, the cards, I already know how to do it. And then you're like, but Brass is the one that teaches you, like, the importance of the map. Right. And how important how you get are. point A to point B, how you can use resources, whether or not you have access to resources. So that like there's so much brass in this, but it doesn't really look like brass. It doesn't really feel like brass. No. I think that we described it because brass is like a point to point movement. It's like a map with dots that are connected by lines. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have that. If we were not clear about it, the map in Founders is like a grid map. Yeah. It's a great big picture of uh, the land, but it has like a square grid over it. And you are required with your resources to start on one side and the other person starts on the other side based on their resources. And everything has to end up being connected. So unlike Brass, where you get to sort of like look at your locations and be like, I'm in, this is my starting point. Over I'm going to move from to this here, to, to here, here to here to here, the yep. point to point. It's more like a put stuff up, wait for it to connect maximize how it's going to connect. And that's where, like, there's this, like, push-pull of, like, the long-term planning plus the tactical. Because you are the kind of person who can be like, if I drop a road right there and then I pull this building, then I can score a ton of points. Whereas Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm trying to build this building. And so in order to build this building, I need this resource and this resource, so I'm going to build a road over to you. Because the split of resources also means that you They're, have to work with the other player. You have to work with the other player. And They're, I really like that about yeah. this. Because you, you can't be like, I'm going to stay on my side of the map and I'm just going to, nope. you know. Because like the resources you own, and it says this in the rules specifically, you will always own. 
If I own metal at the start of the game, mm-hmm. I will always own metal. She, Kathleen, and cannot ever own it. She will have to come to me to get it. That is something that was really hard for me to wrap my head around because yeah. in something like brass, it's like well, if then you I'll want, build my own metal. I'll build my own coal. <laughs> it's like forget you. Can't, you you, can't but you do can't, that. can't do that. I'm like, okay, so how do I get the points points for corn? I can't. You I'm have to, never yeah. going to get the points for corn. So you look at the other buildings. They're like, oh, whoever has the metal will get the points. And it's like, well, guess what? If I have metal and you're building that building i will always get yep. the point and the neutral is legit neutral which is also hard for me because i'm used yeah. to being like i paid for a thing i now own the thing you but don't. you pay for it you don't own it you, you just can use it you can just use it yeah but you don't own it i think that that element is is excellent and yep. the thing that i kept thinking about and we described it as this and we were like oh it's like brass it's like brass it was like well no it's not like brass having a non-point-to-point map but it has the networks and it has like tons of resources that you're using. This is like crazy brass. <laughs> this is, well, this I is mean, like that's wild exactly brass. because like white brass in the wild west. Like anything goes here because yep. you can go anywhere you want. You can you can connect to any building that you want. You can pay to or use anything that you want. But just be prepared for the, like the repercussions. Like if mm-hmm. you end up building a building that does not use anything that you own. I'm like, boom, I built the brick building. Great. Now everybody else gets the points and I get nothing. Like, mm-hmm. like be prepared. That's going to happen. Or if you spend all this time, like, building these awesome buildings and, and you never the vote, like, you never get a prestige vote out that Ugh. lets you score them, it's... Yeah, if the other player is smarter and they're, like, quietly taking influence, like, well, I'll just take some influence. And then every time the vote comes up, they always win. You're like, oh, man, all the prestige buildings that I want and need, I'm just watching them get discarded. And there's ways that you can set it up so that you get influence every turn. Um, Yeah, by building houses. But, again, like, it feels like a waste of a turn sometimes to build a house. That's what it feels like. And then you realize how important it is. So... And you can get prestige if you call a vote sooner. Because if you have, like, three cards left in your hand, instead of taking money, you can be like, I'm going to take prestige instead. Yeah. Which can really even things up because somebody, like... Because you also can sort of figure out how the vote's going to go mm-hmm. sometimes, especially in a two-player. You can, like, look at what the other person has, and you can be like, okay. Because there are two types of influence. There's permanent influence that counts for points at the game, uh, at the end of the game. And then there's also fleeting influence, which, which has to be played. Every kind of so vote, it all goes there's in. If you look over and you see the other person has three of these little, like, clear crystals, you're like, well, those are being factored into the vote because they're I'm, just going to go gonna, away. Yeah, it's like, I know yep. I'm not going to win the vote this time. I may as well not even worry about it. Like, yep. I can't do anything. So I know that I said earlier, like, you don't have to do everything. Like, don't worry about the workers. But at the same time, there are multiple things in this game... That you do have to do. That are really important. Yeah. And I think the first time we played, we were like, wow, this thing I didn't do, this is pretty important. And then the second time, we were like, this other thing I didn't really do, this is also really important. But ultimately, it kept coming back to, like, that calling the vote... That really steers the game. Yep. If you just like, I don't care about the vote. Whatever happens, happens. Oh, it's like, so hard though because, because you like have to last stop time, and take yeah. time, and like, you're always like, no, I have too much to do. I can't take time to pay attention to the vote. I got to do other stuff. And like the points are like really hard to calculate in a way that I don't mind, which is weird for me to say. That does surprise me actually. Because it's kind of fiddly and, and hard to wrap your head around. I, and like usually I'm the kind of person, and this is probably why I lost last time, I'm the kind of person who's like, well that's worth 10 points. Everything else is worth 6. Go for that. Mm-hmm. But if you only get one thing that's worth 10 and you don't own enough of the proprietary parts that like that went into made it, it up, yeah. it doesn't... 
Or even in the case of like the high scoring one that I did, I did own all the parts. But having one high scoring building is not going to be enough to make up for two smaller scoring buildings. The major problem that we had, and we realized that there is a variant in the box that addresses it, yeah, is that this game tends to, in a two-player game, yeah. have a runaway, a runaway winner. It's happened like yeah. half of the times we've played. Not even a runaway in a weird way. Like, we can be in a place that's pretty comparable, but you can look at the board. My problem isn't that, like, one person is necessarily going to get, like, so many points. Well, two it's of them are blowouts. Like, huge blowouts. Yeah. You blew me out once, and I blew you out once. It was, like, it was like 30 points spread each yeah. time. Like, blowout. I think that what you were saying was that there are times where you realize that there's, like, five turns to go. Yeah. But, like, the game is, is ending. Like, it's in sight. Yeah. Like, I know what the other person's doing. I can't stop them. Yeah. I'm going to be able to slow them down, but I can't stop them. And when they do that, they're going to get a ton of points, and the game's going to end. And I'm already losing. Like, that happened to both of us. Yep. Like, I'm like, I'm losing. I know she's going to build the fabric place. When she builds the fabric resource, it's going to score that, 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 and that. That's going to be the end of the game, and she's going to get, like, a million points from it. It's like, what do I even bother doing on my yeah. turn? I'm just trying to do something that gives me any points. But what we realized was that, what we said was, I wish that there was, like, a hidden objective that mm-hmm. you had. Like, in Gloomhaven, like, where you're like, there's an objective that would give me X if... I can meet it at the end of this yep. scenario. Well, there are things called achievements in this. Yep. Those which there's beginning. three that come out in every game. One that's like an immediate. So whoever hits it gets, gets it. it. One that's like a mid game. They say when your second second prestige building is completed, if whoever meets this or is closer to this or has yep. the most of whatever, they get this one. And then there's one that's an end game. When the game is over, whoever has the highest or the most of whatever gets these points. That... I think if you're playing this game two-player, you have to play with that. Which we haven't done yet, so we, perhaps. Yeah, we, did, we just figured out. <laughs> but we just figured out that it was there because it's in the back of the rule book. For some reason, I thought it was a solo thing. I don't know why. I think it's because the way the rule book is organized. But it's not. It's really just there as essentially like shared objectives. Yeah. And now that I know that's there, I think that you have to play with that. Yeah, I, I because it gives you something to do in the end game when you're like, there is nothing for me to do. I cannot build anything quickly enough. I cannot call a vote that will be impactful enough that won't also impact the other person. Like, it'll give me points, but it'll give you some too. And that's so really like, not what I'm here for. <laughs> um, so it, having those in-game objectives in play would give the other person who's like, what am I supposed to do for the next? And it usually is like five or six turns what am i supposed to do for the next five or six turns yeah. it gives them something to do and that yeah i think the games the two games that were blowouts aside and I, that may have just been like a learning thing like we realized that mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you really need to do pay attention to the voting but every other game was close but unswingable at the end the person who was losing yeah. by like five knew i can't i can't, I do, can't do anything and those objectives... You could maybe do it by five. I made up five points difference just by recruiting advisors. Yeah. And you, you might think, looking at the spread, like, it's so close. I can do it. And really, the game doesn't really give you enough. Because every point you get, there's a good chance the other person's going to get points, too. Which is cool until you get to, like, the end-end game. In fact, it's almost always guaranteed because you can't really build... You can't build anything with just your stuff. Yep. Yeah. Even so if you it's could like maybe, maybe like, you in a point, neutral? Like, it's still... They're going to get something. Yep. So that, I would just say, 
that's something you really want to consider when playing this with two players is those achievement cards. Yeah. I'm surprised that they're a variant. While the workers not are not. Like, the workers are part of the game, but those are not. Yeah. I think that was a mistake, but <laughs> that's just my two cents. The ultimate question is, do you, do you like this game? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually going to be my question to you. Like, I don't... I mean, I think you do. You definitely... There are parts of it that frustrate me, and I... The games you, that I have won, yeah. I'm like, that was great. But the games where I lost, mm-hmm. it's I, I found the last 20 minutes of it frustrating. It's yeah. like, because it's not just frustrating, it's boring. Because, yeah, because you I also, like, well, what like, can I do? And it's like, well, nothing. you can do some small things, but they'll just help you both. And at the end of the game, it does feel kind of zero sum. And it's like a situation, it's not a game where you look at it and you're like, okay, well, you're going to win. Let's just stop. Because... That it's so points based. Yeah, you want to know how it actually You want the other person down. to be able to like finish all of this hard work that they've done. Yeah. So you're kind of like, okay, well, I'm just gonna chill for. <laughs> I'll do some stuff. I'll recruit a guy and get a point. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. But it just feels like you're working really hard for. And so far, no. we've not been able to come back. Yeah. And usually, we're able to at least once. It'll be like, oh, I came back. I won. We've never done that with this. No. Which may be a problem, but it may also just be a. A fact that the game needs to be played with those achievement cards because yeah. the three of them together come out to like twelve points or thirteen points, something like that. So I mean, I think I like this game. I think it's so. I guess one thing that we could kind of end on is why do you think so many people don't? Do you think it is just because it, it's not Gloomhaven, or like what are the other? Do you think people are like, yeah, but it's super frustrating or confusing? Like, do you, what are the other? It can't just possibly all just be like this isn't Gloomhaven. I think that the other big thing, and you can see this if you look at it on Board Game Geek, it's rated, I would say, heavier than it is. I think a lot of people got this thinking it was going to be Gloomhaven ish, and what they found was a heavy economics game <laughs> and they were like i this game is is hard oh, to understand God, you're making me not like this game just by describing it as a heavy economics game <laughs> yeah. I, I do mean, like this game i don't like heavy economics or heavy root building or whatever <laughs> like i mean it's a it's a heavy non it's a big plotting game <laughs> well, it's a heavyweight game that doesn't have a sexy combat theme you know what i mean it's like, what am I doing? Like, I'm building roads. <laughs> you're like, yeah. great. Like, that's what you're doing in this. You're building roads and building, like, like jewelry factories. <laughs> like, it doesn't have that same... I don't know about your definition of sexy, but I get... Jewelry factory? I'm very into All right, how about that. a brick factory? Well, I never build the bricks. All right, I'm, I'm well, a strictly, strictly jewelry kind of girl. Or the workhouse. You can build the workhouse. That's a good tier. <laughs> that's not a work... Is it called the workhouse? Do you think that... Do you agree with that? That's why people that would push people away. Uh, the like people came basically crawl. for like what you're saying is like basically the IP, and we're like, oh, oh, oh this isn't like this, great. Is a, this is a way different. This is a experience. heavy Euro game. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that because Gloomhaven is like a Euro game dressed as an Ameritrash game. So last week we talked about Welcome to. I said Welcome to is a game that I would recommend to anybody. And I said, I wouldn't, even if I really like a game, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to everybody. Mm-hmm. This is a game that I really like, but I would not recommend it to everybody. Yeah, like, no. not by a long shot. But, no. if, if, but at the same time, if what we've said sounds interesting, I think I've said this before, like if anything I've said sounds interesting, then try this. Or if you like this. any of the component games, because yeah. I do want to say that, like what we were talking about earlier, about parsing out the different parts of it. I guess the reason to me that I would use the term Frankenstein is because I'm very, it's like very clearly like, oh, well, this is 
a lot like this. This feels like this. This mm-hmm. mechanic feels like this. Other games, it's like, oh, similar themes. Oh, of there's course. Drafting. Oh, like, of course you're going to have drafting. Or, yeah. like, of course you're going to have a certain amount of hand management in a card game that's predicated on, like... Set collection or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, set collection games, I would never be, like... That, that ethno stole from yeah, another sector. I would never be like Bob Ross. <laughs> you're just straight. You're just you're ethnos just with a with a. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just ethnos in a denim shirt. Mm. Like I wouldn't. I I would never because they're just the same kind of games. But like some of the most interesting mechanics feel very much like other games we play. But they're put together in such a way that it makes a really fascinating experience. It's like so if implemented you, much differently. If you like any of those games and you want to see like interesting ways that they might intersect without it feeling like straight cribbed. Like I don't think that this is a game that was necessarily like cribbed from other games. Even if it did straight up lift certain things from other games, the implementation is fresh and interesting. Yeah. And the ultimate experience of playing Founders does not feel like playing Concordia or Brass or Gloria yeah. Rome. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like a completely different game that just has interesting elements that are really striking. Probably the best elements of other games. Yeah, and this game, Founders doesn't replace any of those. Yeah. And none of those replace this. Yeah. They are different, by far different enough that I do not think that any one of them makes one other one redundant. No. So I give it high marks, but I would say that... It's not a game you want to buy lightly. Although the good news is, if you're curious, you can buy it online for a song. Mm-hmm. I bought this because the game was a big, it was a flop. I'm yeah. sorry to say. Uh, and it, uh, the retail price is like 80 bucks, and I bought it on it online for 19 Ouch. Which, was, which is sad. I hate to see things that are, have merit f- fail, but this, this one seems as though it did. You got to give like mad ups to people who try and do something different. Sir is different. Yep, and I, I like them both. Yeah, I think this game is excellent. So yeah. give it a shot if you have 20 bucks and you're online and you find it. Or if you're somebody who's like, are you insane? I bought this and it was $80 and I was mad about it. Like, hit us up. Let us know. Like, what is it specifically about this game that made you buy it in the first place and then made you dislike it? Did you back it on Kickstarter because you saw the G word and then you're like, this isn't Gloomhaven. I spent <laughs> how much on this? <laughs> Or were you just really surprised on how it shook down? Do you find it tedious, which I could see some people? Yeah, I can see that. It doesn't bother me, but maybe if you don't like this kind of game, you'd be like, oh, I hate this. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe you, know, you keep listening strokes. to podcasts where people call it a heavy economics game, <laughs> which <laughs> definitely... I'm giving it a good sell here. I'm really, I'm bringing the masses, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can send us an email at player1player2podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I think that this one I'm happy to have on my shelf next to all of those games. Perfectly, perfectly happy with this. Definitely keep your eye out for this. Anything yeah, else? Any last, last, last? No, follow movie? Eric on Insta. Um, Eric.the.wellread, R-E-A-D. The last thing we posted. Doing, doing his thing. Are pictures of this. Oh, so boy. anyway, this is Player One signing off. I'm going to go make myself a drink. <laughs> this is Player Two signing off. I'm going to go do work. All right. Thank you.